Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I need outdoor time. I need fresh air. And I didn't crave the monetary things anymore. Uh, and it's just this whole shift in your brain that when you don't necessarily have the funds to say, I need this, what your brain shifts and says, no, what I really crave is being grounded, being outdoors, being in nature. Um, and you kind of just like begin to shift your brain and see what's really important. And it's not, it's not any of those monetary things that you can buy in a store. That's Laurel, entrepreneur, freelance writer, and fly fishing guide. I had the opportunity to meet and learn from Laurel this past August at a women's fly fishing retreat in Ohio. The beginning of our conversation, we catch up on the retreat, my experience, and how it bonded five complete strangers. We touch on a lot of topics, from her start as a guide, impacting women in the outdoors, staying true to who you are, and the risk and reward of changing your life to make your dreams happen. This is episode number three, Going for Broke. I'm Steph Busenbark. You're listening to The Woods and Waters Project. About you, I think you're such an interesting, cool <laughs> human. <laughs> Thanks. I do. I do. I mean, I already was following you on social media on Instagram before I went to the women's retreat in Ohio, and I was so excited to meet you and have the entire experience. And I feel like really lucky because I feel like I got a really great experience um, with Stacy and what she does, and then learning from you and then that group of women was just really special it was just a really great weekend and yeah we talked about that it, it 
it honestly, so that was our four, third, fourth that we've done. And it was probably the most special group that we've ever had. Just the way that everybody connected and just got along. I was able to like share stories across like all different, like no one was in the same place in their life. And so to be able to be doing something common, but everybody be in such a different part of their life. It was, it was really cool just to see how everybody connected and it was special. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you felt that way. Cause I, I definitely felt that way, and it. I'm like, maybe this is how this always is. Not that it's, yeah. you know, not that it's ever like ever horrible or anything. But I'm like, wow, this is this is how all these events are. <laughs> it was no, great. well, then, no. There's been some ones like, and I, I've, like, I think I told you that like one of my good friends to this day is a girl that I had in class last year. Um, but like, it was just different. Like this year was it was just different and it was, yeah. it was cool. It was special. Yeah. I would really love to know why that was important to you or why you decided to, to, to do that. Like, where did that, mm-hmm. where did that come from? <laughs> it's funny. I had transitioned home. It was not a planned move back from um, Montana to Pennsylvania. It was, I had come home from my sister's wedding and I had spent three weeks on the East coast, like with family, with friends and then got back to Montana and it just felt weird. And I felt like really caged in and I called my mom and I was like, I, I need a U-Haul and I'm going to be home in three days. And so packed my house, packed, packed U-Haul, like really spontaneous. Like, I'm not really sure where my head was at. And when I got home, I was like, well, now what do I do? Like, I just built, like, this amazing business out west. But for some reason, like, my head and my heart were just like, you have to be back on the East Coast. Um, And I wasn't ready to give up everything that I had just built. So I was working at Orvis back home. And I was like, well, I can't just give this business up. But guiding isn't what it is out west. There's not a demand for, like, everyday everyday trips and there's just not the the water to do it Mm -hmm. so I restructured my business to focus on women's only retreats um there was like a gap in the market and everybody that I knew was hosting retreats but they were doing hosted travel or um they were doing like take your husband take your wife but what I had constantly seen throughout um like talking with other women and working in Orvis is people just wanted something that was like straight all women where they could connect and feel comfortable. And I was like, well, I can, I can offer that. I can do that. Um, and so that's kind of where the retreat thing came out of. And I haven't really looked back since. And I've only done like a handful of guided days in the two years that I've been home and almost everything has been retreat style based. That's amazing. Like I, I definitely think there was and is a need for it still. Um, I've had so many people ask me about that experience since I came back and shared pictures and just so, so much interest. And I, you know, I, I coach archery and whenever I do a workshop or a retreat, I get a ton of women that will show interest and share it and ask these questions. And then I feel like there's this, um, like there's this nervousness or an intimidation to, to go for it sometimes. And I mean, do, do you see that like in the people that follow you and, and see what you're doing? Are you noticing um, some hesitation or like, 
Do you know what I'm trying um, to say? Maybe. The climate is, is definitely changing. Yeah. Five years ago, it was really unheard of. Like, if I would have asked any of my girlfriends, like, hey, do you want to sign up to, like, go do a fly fishing retreat in, like, the middle of Ohio and you and I aren't going to know a soul, they would have looked at me like I had lost my mind. But, <laughs> But now... I mean, I think women in general are just gaining more confidence in the fact that they can do whatever they wish to do, um, but they can do whatever they wish to do outdoors. Um, and so they're getting just a little bit more confident. And one of the girls in our, our program was that way. She had signed up with her friend and her friend backed out and she was like, you know what, like, I'm not going to go for this anyway. And so she came on her own, maybe not the most confident, but left more confident than she came in because she conquered something that she didn't know that she could do. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and so it's, it's definitely changing people. I think women in general are getting more comfortable with the idea that they can be competent in these areas of unknown in their life. And, um, you're definitely starting to see it in, in the fly fishing and the outdoor world for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was having a couple beers with a girlfriend of mine the other day and she is really into hiking solo and we were talking about exactly what you said, like the climate's changing and women are really empowered and really curious and ready to do these like badass things, especially related to the outdoors. And I think that's so cool. And um, maybe just that, you know, sometimes the men in our life just don't know how to handle it, but they're learning too and they're adjusting. And it's just, I like love this, like it's a great time to be I don't know, an adventurous spirit, like adventurous spirit, I think. And it, it's just exciting to see like all these women coming together and doing these really cool things. And I was excited to be a part of like your event. Yeah, I mean, so cool. <laughs> that's totally what sparked like a lot of my, like I call it when I first started like blogging and writing outdoors, it was like on the path. And that's what I use. Like I was on the path. I was finding my way. And I was going through like this series of like really bad, really bad, like the worst that you can get online dates. And <laughs> I had gone out with this guy who like lives locally. Um, parents were big hunters, like big game hunters in um, Africa and like you name it. And he was like, well, I don't really think like you're made for hunting. And I was like, what does that mean? Like I grew up on a farm. Like I'm just as like outdoorsy as everybody else is. Like, what do you mean? I'm not like capable of hunting. And so it was that conversation that I, I decided, I was like, well, if he can do this and he doesn't think that I can do it, I'm, I'm going to prove you wrong that I can do this. And so that was like how I dipped my toe into the world of um, the hunting industry is somebody just said, I don't think you can do this. And I said, well, watch me. Um, and then that just kind of like was the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that, I love that so much. Um, yeah, and that would have been in twenty fourteen. That would have been twenty fourteen was when that whole conversation and took place. Um, and we, I, I grew up on a like a far, farm. It's considered like a gentleman's farm. We have seventeen acres and we raise sheep. So I'd always been immersed in the outdoors and a part of conservation and. Um, really involved in like local ag agriculture and so I knew I knew about hunting I knew about the outdoor world but my dad didn't hunt my dad didn't fish and so for us it was more about farming and it wasn't until 
probably like 24, 25 when I really kind of felt like this strong pull to just be in the outdoors. Um, and I didn't have a ton of friends at the time who, who hunted. And so fishing was easier to kind of get into or back into rather. And so it was, it was just easier to immerse myself so far down into fishing that I, it felt like it was my calling. (laughs) It felt like this is what I am. I am made to do is to fish and, and to share this passion with other people. Yeah. Like what an, I would echo that you are made for this. <laughs> if, my, if my opinion has any weight, like it just, it was such a, um, something that I found like so pleasantly surprising about learning fly fishing from you, which I didn't anticipate learning it from any, from anyone, you know, was, um, when you were breaking down the types of flies to use and when and to pay attention to your environment and what the fish are eating and more of like the granular detail and the just being hyper aware of your surroundings and environment, I didn't, I, I really didn't think I would geek out on that part so much. Like I really, I really enjoyed that. And I know during the class you had talked about having a science background initially and how you've kind of integrated those two worlds together. Uh, What, what does, how did that all come to be? Like, how did you start your career versus how, like where it got to be now? I'm kind of skipping all over the place, but yeah. So I am, um, I am by nature super nerdy. Um, like I am a science geek. I love nature, bugs, insects, animals, like you name it. I want to know more about it. And so I was that kid and (laughs) going into college, um, I wanted, I knew I always wanted like some type of like non-traditional career. Like if it was marine biology, if it was a veterinarian, if it was a zookeeper, like as obscure as you could get as a career, I, at some point in my four years in college wanted to do it. And kind of decided that biology was going to be like the track I was going to go. So did biology my senior year leading up to my senior year of college, I was living abroad in Australia and like really missed the mark on like prompt communication. Mm -hmm. And by the time I'd come home, there were two options left for like our senior thesis. One was a diet analysis of brook trout in our local river. And the other was some project that I think was like sitting in a lab all day long, like, analyzing data and by that time I had just come back from eight months of like every single day I was outdoors so the outdoor project was like perfect and so dove like headfirst into like everything that is fly fishing brook trout um, ecology conservation and like greenways water space you name it I dove headfirst into it and just kind of like started laying the foundation for what now has become my fly fishing career. But I started it in 2011 in a lab and in a stream with, with like fellow peers, just like picking up bugs and asking what's this, like, why would fish eat this? And so now having that background and going in and teaching these classes, I've been in your shoes. I've asked all the questions you can ask, like, why does a trout do this? Why wouldn't it eat this? Why does it 
um, only rise during XYZ type of the day? And I've asked all those questions. I've been there. And so to now know the science behind what's going on underwater, to be able to translate it into a way that other people are going to be able to like easily pick it up and understand it is a really cool, like full circle moment that I've been there. I've done it. I, I know the technical side of it, but you don't have to. And I'm going to show you how you can be really good at fishing and or fly fishing or just know enough to be out on the water without knowing everything. You have, you have like, you fish obviously all the time and you try and you travel a lot and you work full time and mm -hmm. you have a very busy life <laughs> and you're like doing all the things and like how, <laughs> you know, like how is that? How are you making it happen and, and maybe finding balance? If there is balance, I, I don't know. So if someone had said how hard it would be to start your own business, I would have never started it. Um, and I'll talk about the next part of this because it's a really big part of kind of why I jumped in full speed ahead when I did. Mm -hmm. um, in 2014, my dad had gotten pretty ill and I had moved home, closer to home and moved back in with my mom and dad to just kind of be around and spend time with my parents and um, so for the next year and a half, two years, um, my dad and I would just sit and chat about everything that I wanted to do and all of the, these like big adventures that I wanted to have and how to get me out of a nine to five. And in the spring of 2016, my dad had gotten ill and they had kind of said, time is getting, getting short. And at that point in time, I said, I don't care what else stands in my way. Like, this was my wake up call to know how precious time is. And so I left my nine to five with only about three months of groundwork into planning to go, to go into my outdoor career full time. <laughs> and I'm um, like, they say you're supposed to have like X amount in savings. You're supposed to have an accountant lined up and the whole nine yards. I had literally three months of planning on like white printer paper and I had bought a domain. I had like done a little bit of research but I just knew I needed the next however many months it was going to be with my dad and my family above anything else. And so I spent the next six months hanging out with my dad, absorbing everything that he knew about the outdoors and agriculture and like life experience. And right in the midst of that, I took a trip to Calgary to go fly fishing. I said, I just need like two weeks away like, this will be everything that I need. I need two weeks away to clear my head. And when I come home, I'll have clear direction on what I'm supposed to do after all of this settles. And so I ended up going fly fishing for Northern Pike with a friend of mine who runs an outfitter um, in Calgary and absolutely loved it. And that is when he put this bug in my ear that said, why don't you move out west, go to guide school, work in a fly shop and or guide. And I was like, well, all right. Like I wasn't necessarily sure I was heading down that path, but I like the sounds of that. And so I came home and I told my dad, I said, I'm moving to Montana. I said, I, I found what I want to do. I found a guide program. I found a school and I'm going to do it. And so a few months later, my dad passed away and I was I felt comfortable with my decision that this is this is where my heart was taking me and this is where I needed to, to, to devote time. And so 
went to a guide program six weeks after he passed away. My last day of guide school, they offered me a job to come back and work. And so that was um, on his birthday in 2016, in October. And by January 2nd, I had started work in a fly shop in Montana. And so I had, I had gone from March of that year having no real structured plan, no, no savings build up to do this. Um, I took every ounce that I had left in savings and put it in gas money to get out West and put a down payment down on a room that I rented. And in January, I dove headfirst into the outdoor world full-time in a state where I had no friends in a place I knew no one, but I knew that that's where I was supposed to be. Wow. And Sorry, that was a lot. No. That was a lot packed into like four minutes. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like a, it's a beautiful, that's like a beautiful story. And I think like this is probably a topic for a way other podcast, but yeah. like everyone, everyone has a choice on what they do when faced with adversity, hardship. I mean, I lost the, the center of my world. Yeah. Um but like you, you have a choice. And so I chose to, you know, to, to dive head first and know that it will all be okay. Like if my dad can come and go and I can still stand where I stand, then, then I can pick up and, and move across the country. Now I will say that that's not like a new thing for me. Like we just talked earlier that I moved to Australia. And <laughs> so like moving, moving far distance wasn't the hard part. Um, but the hard part was once I got there, you don't realize that being on your own, starting a new business, being somewhere else, like you are vulnerable 24 seven every single day. And you learn so much about yourself when, when you just immerse yourself into whatever it is that you want to do and you completely change all your surroundings. And so you, you get a whole different perspective on 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 everything on life um and it i think had i gone about starting a business any other way i would have been so far in my own head that i would have never taken the steps to do it but being i don't say forced into it because no one forced me to leave my job um and obviously like no one no one like forced my dad to die but those are things that that forced me to to just respond and not think. And so had it been a place that I would have had to like, think about making this decision, I probably wouldn't have done it. Yeah. If yeah. that, no, if that makes sense. No, it makes complete sense. Like, especially certain personality types. If you, if you're given way too much, if you're given all the risk up front, you'll never, <laughs> you'll never go for it. And I, I think that, I think that's so true. People don't really talk about all the, I mean, Sometimes people don't really even talk about all the good stuff, right? <laughs> either. either. <laughs> I'm sure you got more from it than you, than maybe you thought as well. Just Yeah, I got, a, I mean, I got a ton. Like, I laugh and I joke that, like, the time I spent out West, like, I was flat broke. Um, but I had the best time of my life. I was on the water five to six days a week. I was with friends. They were all like-minded. Everybody out West is, is an entrepreneur, whether you look at it like that or not. Like the guide life is that. 
Um, you're working for yourself, you're building your own brand, you're building your own business. And so you're with so many like-minded people that I just absorbed so much business information, so much fishing information. Um, just, I mean, you learn about the outdoors, you learn about um, like water safety, everything that you didn't think that you were going to learn about when you move out West, like you get a crash course in. And so the friendships that I created out West were built on like this just common pull and this common connection to like the earth and the outdoors. And those are like friendships that you'll never, you'll never be able to make in the, in the city. Um, or if I would have been in the nine to five and those life experiences, that is so enriching that it didn't matter if I, if I was so far broke that I was like calling friends to come bail me out on the side of the highway. Cause I ran out of gas. Yeah. Um, which, which I was really good at. I did it like three times in a year and a half. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. It's, it's super fun to like, when you're like, all right, do I need new flies or do I need gas in my car? I was like, well, somebody will come pick me up. So new flies it is. And I, I did it like three times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't a planned move. It was like a super spontaneous, like, first off, it was super spontaneous. Like, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to leave my corporate income and hang out with my dad. And I was waitressing, but not, it, it doesn't like supplement a full-time income. Yeah. And so I had gone from a corporate income to really just kind of like getting by and I was paying my bills and um, there really wasn't like much that I had to worry about. And then I wasn't paying rent. <laughs> and so then I pack up in literally four days and head out West. And now I've got rent. I've got an hour commute to work in my truck. Um, I needed all new winter gear when I got there because winters out Western, no joke. And so it, it was just this constant, like re of everything that I had to make it now fit better into my lifestyle or the things that I thought I was like super prepared with like that's the best pair of gloves I've ever owned when I was on the east coast or like the worst pair of gloves I've ever had out west so it was more of a you spend a lot of money out west mm -hmm. and I factored in things that I didn't ever have to plan for because I made that decision so quick so it was more of just always playing catch up that there wasn't enough there wasn't always enough to like turn over every single month uh, so yeah, I went broke a little. I'm not that like I, <laughs> I always had, I always had food on my table. Um, and I always paid all my bills, but it was okay because if I needed to go do something, I could go fishing and it wasn't going to cost me a dime. Yeah. I could go hiking. It wasn't going to cost me a dime. And so I spent so much more of my time outdoors than I, than I would anything else yeah I think that's my goal <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's totally my goal and I it's weird how your perspective changes because I you know I mean I need money but I think I <laughs> I think I need that release more and I I don't know it it definitely is one of those things where I grew up and I was like I I need to have it. Like I was one of those people that like we go shopping. I'm like, I need this now. No one needs it, but I was like, I need it. So I move out West and now my needs become, 
I need outdoor time. I need fresh air. And I didn't crave the monetary things anymore. Uh, and it's just this whole shift in your brain that when you don't necessarily have the funds to say, I need this, what your brain shifts and says, no, what I really crave is being grounded, being outdoors, being in nature. Um, and you kind of just like begin to shift your brain and see what's really important. And it's not, it's not any of those monetary things that you can buy in a store. Yeah. So that, that was a really cool like lesson that I, that I brought home. Yeah, that's, I totally relate to that. I, I, I bet so many people relate to that and that's really well said. Um, during one of our, one of the days out on the water in Ohio with you, you know, the, like you said earlier, the women, we all, we couldn't all have been more different in our, in our job, in our age, in our life experiences. <clears throat> and there's a few of us that have already talked about, like a couple of the girls are going to come out to Iowa and stay with me and go fishing. And I've only met these women <laughs> once yeah <laughs> you know and it was so it was so great and I I vividly remember the like this moment out fishing where we we were all kind of doing our own thing and one of the women um kind of was like hey I'm gonna just be right here around this corner and the weather was perfect and the sun was shining and we were kind of just under these bent over trees and she walks around this bend and then everyone calls us up to, you know, to walk up to, to land for lunch and everything. And she's like, I'm just going to take my time. And she's kind of had a moment out there and she comes back and you just watching her, you could just see it. She comes back and she talked about just like how free she was and, and how she just stood there and cried you know and she's like this really just this like ball of light and energy and she's so happy and she has this really adventurous life and she just got so much from the like the quiet and the simple like I don't even think we caught fish like at that time you know it had nothing to do with that it was just like that time to herself outside and doing something out of her comfort zone and it was just so beautiful to see. And then I, I just, I feel like maybe I'm looking into this like super no, deep. No, but... not at all. And it, I, I was sitting right next to you on, on the yeah. concrete piling when yeah. that happened. And it is, oh, it just gives me goosebumps talking about it, but it is one of, I think it's one of my favorite things that I kind of like inadvertently pass along because the outdoors for me and especially fly fishing and being on the water was such a place of healing that like I, I learned to heal myself out there that it just kind of like flows through me and like my practice and the way that I teach other women is that this is a safe haven for you. This is your time to, yeah, it's cool to catch fish, but this is your time to just like literally give it all up to the water and be yourself for as long as it is that you want to be out here. And so for her to, to do that and to get to experience like what the river could be for her. I mean, that is, 
that is worth its weight in gold 10 times over. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I didn't even, you know, when she came over and told us that I just had this feeling like when she walked away to, you know, around the corner that that's kind of what she was experiencing because I felt like I was experiencing the same feeling and I could tell like we all got along and we're all laughing and talking so much. But then once we were out on the water, we were just, even when we were close, you know, in earshot of each other, we were still just quiet and it was Mm -hmm. so nice to be still. Yeah, it was. Yes. Yeah. It was great. I think everybody needed it. (laughs) I think everybody does it. And I think when you come to a trip like that, it's the first time that in however long it's been that you're away from family, you're away from friends, you're away from all the stressors that constantly come at you all day long that you're like finally removed out and part of, I mean, and I've said this a hundred times already today, but part of my practice is that fly fishing taught me how to be calm and it, and it gave me a space to just relax and, and not have to think about anything else. And so I always want that to be a, a main takeaway from, from my classes and my workshops is that the water is a safe place for you. And like, I want you to, to give everything to the river so that you can feel everything that you need to feel because the river is a safe place, um, like mentally and for your body, mm-hmm. um, not in high water, but it's, <laughs> it's a safe, it's a safe place for you. Um, and it's your time to just work through whatever it is that you need to work through. And, and I joke about it now with, with my boyfriend, Chris, that when life gets too hard, he'll just look at me and say, like, you need to go fishing. Like, I don't care if it's for an hour, if it's two hours, if it's 20 minutes, he's like, you just need to go fishing. And it's not so much the, the catching fish, but it's the, it's the being away from, from everything else that's, that's going on in my life. And I think, and if you want to talk about this, I would totally love to hear about it. Uh, you just were talking about Chris. And yeah. I I had asked you and um, on the way to the river about, you know, how you guys met and everything. But I think you guys are such a cool, like, power couple. <laughs> <laughs> in, like, in, like, maybe a non-traditional sense, I guess, when you hear the word power, power couple. But you are. It's so cool to me. Um, so... He's like, you need to go fishing, and I think that's so perfect. Do you want to talk about him a little bit, or like? Yeah, yeah. I can. <laughs> um, so yeah, this will be the first podcast I've ever talked about. This is fun. <laughs> um, so we have known each other probably my whole life, and he's one of those people that you know about but you don't know about just because there is a, a nine year age gap between the two of us. And so when I was living out west, and and he'll probably he'll probably blush when I say this. So he he had started following my outdoor Instagram page. So he didn't know, he didn't put the connection on who I was like that. This is, you know, like one of Samantha's friends. He didn't put that together. He just saw a girl in the fishing industry that was cute or whatever. And um, so he started following me. And so he didn't know who I was. And so we've built this relationship or, he started like getting to know me and he's reading my, he's reading my blog and he's reading all of these things. And then I move home in 2018 and 
his aunt's like, well, you should, you should go meet Sue's daughter. Like, I think the two of you would really get along. And so he finally puts it together in his head that like this, this girl that he's been following for the last, and we've tracked it back like three years, the last three years on Instagram, (laughs) I've actually known my whole life. So we, it's funny how things come back around. So we ended up meeting and I just kind of, I kind of knew he had just finished at a fishing tournament was like head to toe in fishing gear in the middle of a restaurant that like, you probably shouldn't have been in fishing gear. Um, And I was like, Oh, this, all right, I can see this, you know? Um, And it, it kind of just like took off. And at the time I was still not working full time. I was still home working on my business. And so he, he met me at a time in my life where I was super focused on making my career back on the East coast work and fishing was like my number one priority. And it just so happens that he's um, a bass angler and a bass fisherman, I guess they prefer to be called. And uh, he's on a couple of circuits and, and on one of the feeders for um, one of the pro tours. And so he is in his own right a way way more accomplished angler than I am and so it just kind of clicked like we had this common bond and this common understanding that like the river is is where we want to be um and we just built our our life around the water and so every time that he's on the water I'm on the water um we get on the water together and and I support him and he supports me at all of my big crazy dreams and so it's just been this really nice, I don't know, like, a adult relationship. <laughs> I don't know what else you call it. Like, it's, it's just like it, it was meant to be. And we've, we've been able to, to be so supportive of one another because we both share the same, the same hobby that there is no, there is no jealousy and jealousy might not be the word, right word, but there is no um like resentment whereas if I was in a relationship with somebody who didn't enjoy the outdoors and who didn't understand my draw to fishing um they might look at their spouse and be like why are you always fishing uh where there isn't that with us like we just get it and we accept that those are some of the best parts of who we are and our relationship flourishes because of it because we both love the water and fishing and if we get to do it together, it's even better. Yeah, that's exact. That's exactly why I wanted you to share. I think it's a great story. <laughs> and I think that a lot of people that'll be listening and, and, you know, and, in, in myself and myself, and I know I talk to people every day who experience this, whether it's outdoor related or not, just, um, when you're really passionate about something and you just, you love it with your whole heart and then maybe your partner is not on the same page, it can be really tricky. And I just think that dynamic you guys have, it's so similar, but so yet, you know, so different at the same time. And I love the, you need to go fishing. Like if something's wrong, like you need to go fishing. I think that's so great. Like he, he is out right now. So it's what Monday, it's a Monday night and he is out fishing right now, testing things out before he leaves for another tournament this weekend. And it's just nice. This has obviously nothing to do with, um, the outdoors, but it's just nice to know that on a, on a relationship standpoint, there is no, there is no questioning it. Like, this is what you need to do. And I fully support you. And 
I get it because I'm the same way when it comes to fly fishing. Like this is what you need to get dialed in and you need to get ready for your fishing. Mm -hmm. And, and I support it and I support you. Uh, and I'm his biggest cheerleader and he's mine. Um, and it's all stemmed around a, a love of, a love of the water. Yeah. I think that has everything to do with the outdoors. I, I honestly, in like this weird way, you know, like I, I think the best, ver you guys are the best versions of yourself. Like that's, you know, they always say to be in yeah. a healthy relationship, you have to, you have to be happy. And I think that's what, you know, like that's what makes you guys happy as individuals. And so when you can find someone who's really happy and knows who they are, knows what they love, and then they find each other, that's like, that's like magic. Like that's, that's hard to find and that's what people aim for. And I just think that's, I think that's really cool. I think it's. Yeah. And you had asked me a question earlier that, that just kind of like came back into my mind as we were talking about that, that like, how do you fit all this in? And so it's funny that when, when Chris and I first got together, like I proudly wore busy as a badge, like you name it. I was in it. I was doing it. I had to get it done. And I was going 4 million miles per minute and <laughs> trying to fit it all in. We had just started dating and we had gone on a really great first date. And he was like, when are we going to see each other again? And I was like, well, I've got like a 25 minute time window where I'm going to walk my dog at the park. If you want to come along, be my guest, right? Like who, who says <laughs> that to someone? Like I have 25 minutes on Wednesday at two 30 in the afternoon. Like, can you make this work now? He works full time too. Right. So I'm just like throwing this out. Like, eh, I don't know, like maybe, maybe it'll work. So my, my love language is coffee. And so he didn't know this. And so he showed up on like a Wednesday at 2 PM in the middle of the workday uh, with a cup of coffee. And we spent more than 25 minutes walking my dog, but it's, the point of that is there are there are ways to manage and to juggle everything that you have on your desk while still finding time to fit in the people and the things that you love the most. And so if it's 25 minutes that you get with your significant other, if it's 25 minutes that you get um, when you just stop at a creek on, on the way home and fish for 25 minutes, it you can juggle it all. I'm not the queen of it. I don't do it well all the time. Um, and it's taken three, three going on four years to figure out how to fit running a, a full-time outdoor business into your life. Um, and it's not always perfect. It's not always pretty, but you make it work. Yeah. And you find the time for the things that, that really matter. Yeah. You could talk a little bit about outdoor with her and yeah. you know what that is and where it's going. Yeah. So outdoors with her, I started that it started as, um, kind of a blog and just a way for me to funnel in all of these things that I was learning, I was feeling. And so when I started outdoors with her, it started as like hunting based, like here's this newbie who just out of nowhere, like we skipped clear over like firearms and I went like straight into the deep end of like I just want to learn archery and so I didn't have role models like Eva Shockey wasn't big at the time um, there wasn't Sarah Bomar was just getting her career started and so there wasn't any of these like 
really accessible role models to look up to. And so outdoors with her started as a landing place for me to be able to share my um, like stories and experiences in hopes that like I would be able to connect with other women who were just coming up in the hunting industry or who had been doing it forever. Um, but we're like looking for other women to connect with. And it was also my way to just kind of like catalog all of this that one day down the line, if somebody like who I was five, six, seven years ago needed to know that they weren't alone, that now I've kind of built a place for them to come and and feel accepted and be able to hear about like all the funnies that I made like in my first times out hunting by myself or, you know, like figure out which release to use because I've now bought seven of them and like figured out, you know, so that's where it started. That's where outdoors with her started. It started as sharing the hunting side of my outdoors. And as, as I began to grow as an outdoorsman and kind of like get my feet wet in various other aspects, it became, it kind of just became so much more than that. And, and as I moved out West, I trans kind of like transferred everything into more of like a professional site that you'd be able to like, book inquiries on and um not book inquiries geez um but like send inquiries and like do bookings for fly fishing workshops or um if like people needed to like reach out with questions like that's where it became and that became like my hub for all things me and the outdoors and building my brand and building my business and it's kind of in a in a transition right now um I'm I'm kind of getting out of the hunting side of things. Not that I don't enjoy it, but it's just not as large of a priority as it used to be in my life. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of transitioning things over to mainly be fly fishing, fly fishing education um, and, and workshops. That's, that's a hard question. Cause I have, I haven't given the website a lot of thought. Thanks. Thanks Steph. <laughs> I didn't know if you wanted to share about it or not. So I was like, well, I'll just like, you know, put it out yeah, there for people to no, go to. Yeah, but no, I get asked that. And for so long, my blog was so hunting centric and so hunting focused that learning to step away from it and try, because I, I don't want, I don't want to ever hide what it started out off as. And I don't want to ever hide that it was a part of my life and something that I did because hunting will and probably will always be a part of what I do to the extent that I used to do it at probably not just because Chris and I have other hobbies together that we we enjoy a little bit more but it's it's learning how to (laughs) to build like a cohesive site that is that is actually just like my life and not just one small piece of my life and so that's incorporating like our relationship and how we are together outdoors, my fly fishing, um, any hunting that we do get to do. But I really wanted to transition it into a place of education and a place of, hey, if I need to know like what her top seven things are that she must have when she leaves the house to go fly fishing, like people know, oh, I can go to outdoors with her because Laurel's going to have like a list. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's the direction that outdoors with her is heading and um, a new web site rebuild is in the works um i can't tell you when it will be out but it will be it will be ready for spring bookings of 2020 i can tell you that um so yeah outdoors with her is getting a facelift it will always be outdoors with her because um i love the name it 
it just kind of flows. It's a, it's a part of who I am. Um, yeah, yeah, sorry. You might have to edit some of that. Cause I, it's <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I, I love it. I love that you, that you said that when you're talking about how it was really hunting heavy in the beginning and it's, it's not quite that way anymore, but you don't want to hide how it started. I think that's awesome. And the reason I think that's awesome is because I think most people have layers and they've tried things out and they really like something, but then they, you know, in, while they're finding the things they really like, they also find their passion. And I think life just works like that. You know, like it's not, I don't think you should hide any of it because people are going to relate to that. Like there's people. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's super relatable. For sure. And it, and it's one of those things that like, I, I sometimes feel like being in this age of social media, that there's so much guilt that, that like just we pile on ourselves. Other people like make us feel guilty that like, we're not sharing enough of this or we're not sharing enough of that. And like, if you scroll all the way back to my Instagram feed, like the first things you're going to see are like these really cool epic travels because from 2008 to 2013 all I did was travel and that was the biggest part of my life and then as I started like shifting my focus from traveling to the outdoors so did all of the things that I'm posting about it doesn't mean that I don't love traveling anymore but what I'm currently immersed in was fishing and if you know me you know that I don't stop traveling I'm just gonna travel to find new fish (laughs) just gonna travel (laughs) to find new fish and um and so I think it's it's one of those common um, kind of like touch points right now with especially women in our our generation is that we feel guilted into like sharing certain things because everybody else on Instagram is sharing certain things. And if you you I just feel like this tie to be like focused on one thing when that's so far from who we all are as individuals. Like, mm-hmm. yes, you might really love to fly fish, but. I'm sure that there are throughout an entire week, there are so many other things that you're passionate about and that you could share about, but you feel guilty for sharing them because your whole following is watching you for fishing. Like, I just think that's silly. Mm -hmm. Um, If you, if you love cooking and you love fly fishing, then light your feet up with all of it. Like who cares? You know, this is your life and you get to choose however it is that you want to live it. And you don't have to just choose one hobby. Yeah, I, I am really, I've had Instagram for a few years, but my Instagram started off as a, a, I've had it for three years. And I know that because my dog is three, because it originally was my dog's Instagram. And and, um, she is really one of the reasons that I got like back into the outdoors. So grew up that way. But, you know, with the corporate world, I very much relate to your story. I threw myself into the corporate world. I was making good money, but I had no time to do anything that I loved and I was miserable on the inside. And when I got my dog, she's a bird dog and she requires a lot of exercise, attention and hunting. So it just made me get back into this and I was more than happy to do that. But with with that being said, like my Instagram is still pretty small and I'm just starting to really build a following. And I don't know, the guilt part, I definitely see that already. And I can also see 
at the end of the day, I don't care about like the number of people following me. I care about like how I'm impacting the people that are following me and the quality of people that I'm, you know, that are following me and the engagement and that I really enjoy that piece of it. Um, I do notice though, there are certain things that I post that I will like drastically lose and or gain people depending on oh, what like, I... <laughs> dare you put, dare you post something that shows that like you like have a significant other, like, yeah, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> but I, it, yeah, I've, I've, I've learned that. And like, I do try to like, keep it, keep it at bay just because no one wants to like, I share enough photos of Chris and in, in what we do that I don't need to like flood my Instagram. Um, but it is, it is funny, but I think, on the flip side of that, there is so much right now calling for like your real, your true, like your authentic self that when you lose the people that are there for just to see you like with a, a trophy buck or like a yeah. giant fish, when you post about like your real authentic self, you'll find that you get, you get the like genuine following back because yes. that's what they really want to see they want to see that you're a human being like this is really cool like you can go you can take these great photos with these beautiful fish in these really beautiful places but like what does that matter if they don't know who you are yeah yeah 100 um, percent. those aren't your people <laughs> if, yeah yeah <laughs> um and i don't know Oh, gosh, I really wanted to ask this about social media, and I just, like, lost the form of my question. Um, we can keep talking. I'm sure we'll yeah. come back. Um, and I don't even know if I'll use this or not. I just want to see where it goes, just because this is, like, yeah. fresh in my mind. This is, like, a new experience sure. for me. So I am, like, I want to preface this by saying I am a really happy person and I am a very passionate person and I love to travel and I love to hunt and I love to be in the outdoors. All of that is true. All the things I share on my social media are true, real experiences. However, <laughs> when <laughs> I post things, I, you know, I oftentimes will get a comment that says something like, you look so happy. Um, you know, it's just like, I get that a lot. Like that exact comment, you look so happy. You, you must be so happy. And people genuinely mean it. And then when I see people in my real life and they want to talk about my social media, I get, um, I, I get a lot that people call me world traveler a lot and I don't even have a passport, which is so funny because, <laughs> um, <laughs> because I, I think, and I, when I post, I, I post exactly where I am. I, you know, I, I'm, it's so crazy to me that I don't know if your experiences, and I know you are a world traveler and everything, but um, there's a lot of people must look at it, absorb it really quickly, and then they kind of just project what they want into my into what they're seeing. Because sometimes the comments I get are they're telling me these stories about me that I don't even you know I don't even know. Like they know things about me that I don't even know, and I'm like, yeah, what? like I used to get. I used to get comments like that, like, oh, you look so happy or like you're glowing or this looks like this is what you're meant to be. And I've kind of, I kind of took a step back and looked at it like, okay, like I wasn't a miserable person. You know, yeah. I, I was a genuinely happy person. I just chose to take a different path in my life. And kind of what I boiled it all down to was when someone says you look so happy, like 
yes, they genuinely are paying you a compliment, but I also realize and am sensitive to the fact that they're telling me I look so happy because this is something that they would probably never be able to go out and have the courage to do themselves. And so when I look at people's comments that say like, oh, you're so happy, I kind of look at it like, well, and I respond back like, and you can do this too. Yeah. Like this isn't, like I haven't like broken any world record. It wasn't the easiest, um, but nothing that I did was rocket science. You know, I, I didn't plan, I didn't budget, I didn't do anything that you're supposed to do, but I chose to get rid of the, the crap in my life that I didn't want. And just, I chose to just pick a life that made me happier than where I was. And so when people say, you look so happy, I always respond back. Like, you, you can find this too. You know, like, this isn't a secret. Um, because I think people's first reaction is to be like, that's so cool. Like, I could never do that. Like, you look so happy. Because they don't really, like, want to say, well, how do I get, this? like, I want yeah. that. Yeah. And I think that that's exactly how I internalize that too. And, and I, I love that you, that that's your response. Because, you know, my, like, part of my goal in, like, sharing in sharing what I share is I've just, you know, I've so, so many times had people in my life, like my whole life approach me to teach them something or take them somewhere, or I wish I could be as brave as you. And I just think like, oh my gosh, if they only knew, I'm like terrified nine times out of 10, you know, like I, I, I'm, oh yeah. Yeah. I, I wish if only you knew, like I do have a great life and I, and I am blessed in a, in a lot of areas, but I, you know, um, there, there's a lot more complexity to it. And I, I want people to see me and if I can have one person think like, oh, I can do that because she's doing it. That's what I want. I don't want people to think that it's, um, impossible to get, you know? And I, so I love, that's what you say back to people because, um, I, I share it because I want to, I want other people to share it too. You know, I want other people to experience it the way I'm experiencing it. Um, yeah, and it, it's it's funny because people are when I at least when I first moved to Montana, people are like, "Oh my gosh, like I don't know how you did that. Like you're so brave." And I'm like, "I am like I am like the most introverted introvert when I at heart. Like that is who I am. Like if I could be in a room with like my dog and Netflix and and like stay there for two weeks, like I would totally do that, and I would it would be like living my best life." Um, and I, I analyze everything. So like when people are like, you're so brave, like, how did you do that? I'm like, I, if I can do it and I am like, I analyze everything. Like I still, to this day, I work in, I work in insurance. Like I analyze risk all day long, but at some point, like the the reward way out outweighs the risk. And so you've just kind of got to realize that like you could have whatever you want and you can be as happy as you want or you can just sit and wallow in, in fear. Yeah. So yeah. What's your, okay. <laughs> what's your um, next adventure? I have not a freaking clue. Um, <laughs> and I genuinely mean that. Like I looked at my calendar the other day and from now until, till February, like I have not a single thing on there. Uh, and so I have not a clue where I'm going to be. Um, 
2020 is shaping up to be a really good year. I'll be um, in Jackson Hole and for a week doing some fly fishing and winter sports. I'll be in Romania and Ukraine uh, in the fall, hopefully doing a little bit of fishing as well as some much needed travel out of the country. And I don't, I don't next big adventure. I don't have a next big fishing adventure planned um, probably for salmon in upstate New York um, in October and November. Like, and, and then somewhere in the middle of this, I decided that it was like appropriate to like launch a second business about like the oils that I love. And so now I'm like running two businesses. I work two full-time jobs. I have a boyfriend and a dog that's like craving my attention. And I'm like, we're just, just, just bring it all on. Let's do this. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> Let's do it. I mean, like what else? What am I going to lose? You know, my sleep? That's fine. I'll get that back eventually. <laughs> What would you tell someone listening who's curious about either, you know, fly fishing for the first time and getting started or starting, it doesn't even have to be an outdoor business, just starting a business and, and going for it. Any words of advice? <laughs> yeah, don't think. Just, just literally go for it. If it is now that that varies a little bit between the <laughs> the business side and the and the and just the hobby side. But on the hobby side, like don't second guess it. Like you you know going in that you're the new kid. Like you're gonna just want to be a sponge and take it all in. And so the best advice I can give somebody who whatever it be in the outdoors is just be a sponge and give give yourself the grace to be imperfect and to learn. Um, because if, if you just allow yourself to absorb everything that you're doing rather than judge yourself for not being perfect, you'll get so much more out of, out of that journey than you will if you go in thinking that you have to be right about all of it from the start. Yeah. Yeah. I think that definitely applies to both. <laughs> both I think it does too. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> thank you so much for making this work and doing the work that you do. I think it's really important stuff. And I think that there is room for, for more, for more people who want to share their, you know, their love of the outdoors and that connection to, to the outdoors, to the rivers. I think, I think what you do is a really beautiful thing. And I'm really grateful to have experienced that with you and to have met you in person. Um, I would have wanted to do this anyway, but it makes it even like more special that I got to like meet you and see how you teach. I know it was and... so nice to be able to like <laughs> have, have been with you and to just go through that experience together, then just come out and be able to like have a conversation about it, knowing, I don't know, just all the magic that's behind learning something new. Yeah, for sure. Um, where can, where can people find you? So on Facebook, you can find me at Outdoors With Her, um, or you can search Laurel Monahan. I've got it set so you can find it both ways. On Instagram, I am at Laurel Monahan, and then you can do um, a web search for outdoorswithher.com, and that will take you to my webpage. Isn't she a complete badass? Seriously, guys, check out her page. Watch for upcoming workshops if fly fishing is on your mind. Thank you so much, Laurel, for your time and the work you put in. 
Thank you everyone out there for listening and please drop me a review, send me your ideas, feedback, all much appreciated. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Woods and Waters Project.